Praise God. Well, let's get into, uh, into the Word here today. If you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. I started a new message last week called The Living Stones. If you think, that's a strange title. Well, maybe it is, but I got it straight out of the book. So, there you go. 1 Peter chapter 2, let's read verses 4 and 5. Coming to him as to a living stone. See, that's Jesus. He's called a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. is precious. precious. Yeah. Verse 5, you also, that's me too, as living stones, like I pointed out, many things, many words that are used to describe Jesus are also used to describe the believer in him. All right? The Christ and the Christian. Right? You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so the, the word here from Peter, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to call us living stones and to reveal that God is building a spiritual house. Okay, we understand buildings like the one we are in today is not a it's not a church. It's not a spiritual structure. It's used for spiritual purposes, which gives it significance. But other than that, it's just a building. But you are a part of God's building, all right? If you're a believer, you are a part of God's spiritual house, and He is building this habitation, if you will, for His presence out of us. We said before that He indwells us individually. And that's permanent. He takes up permanent residence within all who receive Jesus as Savior. He's with you in the day. He's with you in the night. He's with you on the mountain and with you in the valley, right? Everywhere you go, the Lord is with you at all times. But that's an individual experience. He also wants to dwell in us corporately. He wants to move in us as a group. And that's what we seek is to allow the Lord to use us as a living stone to place in his spiritual structure in the right place with the right function so that he can indwell and embody us in addition to uh, our individual uh, experience with him, okay? And so everything in life then will be harder when your true spiritual eternal purpose is underserved. People don't recognize sometimes why struggle happens in some areas, why some things are difficult. They put all their attention on solving their current dilemma instead of saying, am I underserving my eternal purpose? Because when you are, you are in the wall, you are in God's spiritual structure, then so much else in your life, it's going to fall into place naturally. Don't neglect your eternal purpose to try to satisfy a temporary need. But serve God and find his reason for your being, for your existence, and actively serve him. And in that place, God's blessing will rest upon you, and his blessing will rest upon us. It's just like this. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. That's individual. That's personal. You can have it anywhere you go on planet Earth. At the same time, how many people have been 
healed by the Lord while coming together in a corporate space like this. While we are connected with one another, often the power of God flows directly to us. And we could say, well, someone can get that on their own. I believe that's true, but they didn't. We could say, I can read my Bible while I'm alone because I have a personal relationship with God. I fully agree, but often you don't. And often things that happen that are of the Lord that that you have every right to and you have full access to as a child of God, you only experience in a practical way when you're connected to the body. When you're in the wall, you're a part of God's plan. So I don't want to deal with theory like, well, I can do this. I want to say, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to be? What is your divine design for my life? All of us have a place in God's great house. And each person is significant uh, when properly inserted into God's plan. We could say it this way. I'll just say it the opposite. We are much less significant if we're just out doing our own thing. But when we recognize a higher call, a greater purpose, when we seek to dedicate our lives to something that's eternal and not just 100 years, then the blessings of God really flow in us and through us and to us. So outside of his plan, we become rather useless. It's kind of like, you know, the shortstop showing up for football practice. Coach, where do you want me to go? Well, what position do you play? I play shortstop. Well, we don't have much use for you here, right? You need to get in, the, get in on a different field, all right? So I don't want to just say, well, this is who I am, and I'm going to do what I... No, we yield to him and say, Lord, use me in accordance with your purposes. Now, in speaking about this great spiritual construction that God is doing... Um, I made reference to you before that when we are building homes or buildings, we're looking not only for function and, and appearance, but we're looking for quality materials. You want to put some good carpet in. You want to put some good fixtures in your house, some, some things that are going to last more than a few months or a few years. You don't want to put a roof on your house every five years. You want to get a good quality roof that's going to last for decades, right? And, uh, and like we would choose high-quality materials, God also wants to use high-quality materials in this spiritual house that he's building. Knowing that, you know, our, our desire ought to be, how can I personally make myself available to God in a quality manner? What can I do? What can I offer him that is usable to him? And if you think, well, how could we ever offer anything to God? I mean, we're just a bunch of nothings. Not according to him, you're not. God doesn't see you and me as nothing. You know, when someone says, God needs to become everything and we need to become nothing, then he's the God of nothing, right? No, we are living stones in his hands. We are very precious to him, holy, special people. You're usable to God. Our, 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 our lives are really significant. And so if we want to present to him ourselves as usable, then we need to look at quality materials. And if we need to do some quality control checks on ourselves, that would be wisdom. Lord, am I usable by you? 
with the way that I think, with the way I carry myself, the decisions that I make, am I good building material? Or are you going to use me in the doghouse? <laughs> Out back. <laughs> am I usable to you? I think that's a noble question to ask. So I want to look at Second uh, Timothy. Uh, left turn from Peter there, if you have a physical Bible. Uh, first, rather, Second Timothy, chapter 2. And if you can look at these with your own eyes, then you'll know I'm not making this up. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Notice with me in verse 19, 2.19. Paul writes to Timothy and says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So that's a good word to any Christian. To any believer, if you name the name of Christ, what should you do next? Depart from iniquity. We don't take the, the attitude, well, I'm forgiven, and I'm, it's the grace of God that's on me, and I'm saved independent of anything I do, therefore, it doesn't matter what I do. No, I'm saved independent of anything I do, therefore, it matters what I do. Because I'm a, I'm a represent, representative. If you, if you call yourself a believer, you represent him. If you're not going to take that serious, you should probably remove the bumper sticker. <laughs> Don't wear the Christian t-shirt if, if how you act or how you conduct yourself doesn't matter to you. Amen. If you're going to play the fool, tell them you go to a different church at least. <laughs> And I don't mean there's not grace to grow. There is. Uh, but, but I tell you, we should be conscious of who we represent. We represent the Lord. And so he said, if you're going to name his name, then knock that off. <laughs> there are some things you ought to stop doing. Some of it happens naturally. I mean, instantaneously. You get saved and you lose desire for certain ways of, of acting. It's happened to many of us. We just don't really want to do that anymore. But Christians can genuinely be tempted. Can anyone relate to that? Still have to learn how to walk in love and treat people right and, and avoid the, some of the foolishness of this world. And so he said, if you're going to name the name, uh, depart from iniquity. Verse 20, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now, it's unfortunate, but some stop reading right there, and they, of course, judge themselves as dishonorable. Well, I guess the Lord just, you know, didn't want to, he didn't choose to use me in a very special way. I'm more like dirt. <laughs> I'm more like clay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more of a dishonorable vessel, and that's just my lot in life. Well, that's not true, though. According to this, you can read one verse further, and he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... The latter would be dishonor. He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So whether you and I are useful to the master is up to us. We make ourselves usable. We make ourselves useful. How? By recognizing what activities, what thinking, what behavior is honorable and what's dis dishonorable. And if I say, that's dishonor, I'm getting rid of that out of my life. I'm going to cleanse myself from that. Then the Lord looks at us and says, that living stone right there, 
I can use them for great things. I can put my blessing, my stamp, my name on their life, and they will be highly valued in my kingdom. And so we all have the potential to be vessels of honor, making ourselves useful to God. Okay, now how many know he loves all the vessels? He loves all the, uh, all the building parts. He loves every, every one of us, but he uses the honorable ones. Loved? Everybody. Used? Not everybody. Some are called, some are chosen. Right? Many are called, few are chosen. All right? So the Lord puts the sound out, the call, hey! And some people respond. And some people say, what was that noise? And they go back to what they were doing before. Right? And so if these things are up to us, where we land in God's, uh, in God's kingdom and in this great house that he is building. And so I want to just take a few minutes and talk to you about what an honorable vessel looks like. If I'm going to, dis- if I'm going to cleanse myself, sanctify myself from the dishonor, uh, what does it look like to be an honorable vessel, or let me say it this way, a usable stone, usable in God's hand. And if you love the Lord, this matters to you because you want him to work in your life and work through your life. So uh, let me give you four today. The first one is this, an honorable vessel is faithful. An honorable vessel is a faithful vessel. What, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be faithful? Well, different ways we can say it. One of them is a faithful person is true to the original. You think about a, a painting, you think about when someone makes a copy uh, they are, a, a faithful copy would be exactly, even down to the detail like the original. We are faithful when we adhere to God's plan exactly. We're not adding our own opinion. We're not adding our own preference. We, we know how to take orders. We know how to follow instructions from him. Not, I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. This is what I like. This is my preference. No, the faithful person is more interested in God's desire over their desire. God's preference over their preference. I know that runs, that runs afoul to modern day American thinking because it's all about me and what I want, what I like, and my preference and everything else. No, when you give your life to the Lord, you surrender your will, you surrender your right to independently making choices, and you say, Jesus, you're Lord, so you got something to say about this? I'm listening to you. See, that's being faithful to him. If you work a job where someone is in, in charge of, of you, <laughs> you have a superior, and they give assignments or projects or instructions to you, and you re- receive those instructions and then proceed to alter it and do it your own way, and you think, well, I'm improving it. I'll make it better. You are unfaithful. You're an unfaithful employee. You're not doing what you're asked. You're changing it. You're altering it. Everybody with me today? Faithful means we do exactly what is asked of us. And that works, again, with human relations. It works with our relationship with God. You do exactly. You're not altering for your own uh, opinions. We could say it this way. A faithful person will also not only do exactly what they're asked, but a faithful person will, will do what they say they'll do. 
When a person tells someone else, I'll handle this, I'll do this, I'll take care of this for you, and they don't do it, we would say they are unfaithful. You can't rely on them. You don't know that they're going to get the job done. Even if they say they're going to, you just don't really know if they're going to follow through. Okay. Years ago, uh, there was a, a, a guy at our church that, uh, that, that I thought, this, this person has great potential. This person has a lot of great qualities. And, and when I say that, I mean giftings and so forth. I said, this person is awesome. This person can be mightily used of God. And, and I wanted to elevate him, promote him, and do some different things in his life that would help him and help others. Uh, but the problem was, is everyone, every time I was around others whom he had worked with, I'm talking about in our context of our church, is they all had a problem with them. And, and because I didn't work with him directly, I thought he was better than they thought he was. <laughs> and, and they would tell me, he, he, does, he says this thing and he doesn't do it. And he won't follow through. And he, he, he'll promise you one thing and he'll never do it. And I sat down with him and talked to him. I, I said, I, said, I want to use you more. I think you could be mightily, you, you are, got some tremendous gifts. But I said, and I, we could have an open conversation. I named people. I said, this person, this person, this person. They say that, uh, that you don't do what you say. You tell them you're going to do something and it never gets done. And, and I, I, I just told him, I said, if you want to go further in God, you, in our context, I didn't use this language. If you want to be useful in the hands of the master, I need, I, you need to go to this person and talk to them and get that straight. You need to go to this person and talk to them and get that straight. And do what you said you would do. And he would have been, become useful again just by that faithfulness. And, uh, and those things never happened. And his unfaithfulness eventually showed up in a louder way. Uh, uh, but but I, I think these things are all in our hands. And if we'll recognize that, we can become very useful to God just with a couple minor adjustments that make us um, true to the original and faithful with our own word. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so faithful become able. If you ever judge yourself, you know, not very capable, not very able, maybe say, I don't have many skills or gifts that God could even use. Do you have faithfulness? Because if you'll be faithful to him, he will make you able to do what he wants you to do. And how many know God never asks anyone to do something outside of their ability? If he asks you to do something that seems outside of your ability, like me, if you'll be faithful to follow him, he will add ability to you. He will grace you. He will put his spirit upon you. You'll look like a brand new person in the eyes of others. How did you become that? I just told the Lord, yes. And I, with all every degree of, of commitment that I could, I faithfully followed him. Leaders, leaders experience the most regret when they promote unfaithful people. Whether that's in the marketplace, whether that's in a church, when you promote unfaithful people, the, 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 the downfall is really heavy when they, uh, you know, don't do what they said. Praise God. Just a thought for, for food for thought for a moment, though. If God is in charge of promotion, which according to Psalm 75, he is, and you have not been promoted, 
what does he see that others don't see? Now, seriously, if we really believe that he can do it, and it's not really lying in the hands of a superior at work or some other, if God can really promote anyone that he wants to, to any position, and it's not happening in our lives, what does he see? Because he sees all. Could there be an element of uselessness that exists because of unfaithfulness in our lives? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know we don't always judge each other accurately because we don't all see what's in each other's hearts and know, but he sees all and he knows. And ultimately our, our provision, it, these things are in his hands. The second thing an honorable vessel will, will exhibit is, is they are also diligent. They are diligent. They're faithful. And number two, they are diligent. That word, that word diligent, in, as translated from the Greek, uh, means, uh, uh, means to use speed. That's interesting. They use speed. They, they, are, um, uh, they make effort. They're prompt or earnest. They're diligent. They're, they're quick to do the right thing. Proverbs 10.4 reads, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Slack hand. Other translations read lazy or idle. The lazy hand, the idle person, the slack hand. What happens to them? They become poor. The hand of the diligent becomes rich. So, 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 so God can use someone when they have this diligent characteristic working in their life. Paul wrote, again, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So a diligent person is useful by God. They are one who is quick to do what needs to be done, all right? They don't procrastinate and drag their feet. Do you have some things that maybe you knew some time ago? I mean, you're serving God, and he prompts some things in your life. Maybe you heard it in here. Maybe you heard it somewhere else. And you knew, oh, I think God wants me to do this. I believe he really is leading me this way. And that was six months ago, or that was a year ago, and still nothing has happened. Why can't God use you? You're not quick enough. <laughs> you're too slow. Are you eventually going to do it? I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe. But you're taking, too, you're taking way too long. Don't be quiet on me like that. I'm just saying, giddy up. Come on, if he, did, if he has dealt with you to do something, do it. Years ago when we were uh, getting ready to build, it was right before we moved into this location, and there was another minister that uh, heard about, I don't, I, maybe I told him, I don't recall, but he, he knew we were getting ready to do some large <laughs> expenditures, and, uh, and churches walk by faith, and often we take steps before we have the money, and, uh, and, and we did, and so forth. And he had heard some of what we were doing, and he had someone call um, one day, just kind of out of the blue, uh, and he asked, basically, are you still doing this? Is this still what you're, you're doing as far as our expansion and building and so forth? 
And, and I replied to the person, I said, yeah, we're still doing that. That's still accurate. That's still true. We're in that process. And, and what happened is they said, okay, thank you. And, uh, and the next day, I got a check in the mail for $50,000. Now, here's the point. Not the 50000 That's not the point. Here's my point. It was the next day. Overnighted. They didn't put it in regular mail. They, they went to the extra effort to make sure that the moment I said, yes, we're doing that, I would have it in my hand the next day. Why did they do that? I tell you, that person is usable by God because they're prompt. They're quick to act. They didn't say, yeah, well, we'll think about, you know, eventually maybe doing something to help you. Or, or I say, yes, we're doing that. And then a month later, I get a check. Now, would I have been thankful for it then? Of course. But many times when the Lord deals with us, he only shows us a little part of it. You don't know how fast that other person needs that. Sometimes he says, do this. In this case, give money. The other person might need it like right then. Have you ever been in a situation where you're trusting God and you need an answer um, today? And the Lord deals with someone else to pray about it or to call you or to give something to you or to help you in some way. And you say, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Uh, and then a week later, you haven't done anything. A month later, you said, yeah, the Lord was talking to me about that. And you haven't done anything. See, you're useless. Next time, he's going to deal with someone else. If you're thinking, well, good, then I'll get to keep my 50000 no, you, he'll get to keep the, the blessing that comes as a result of sowing it. You missed out on an open opportunity. If he's dealing with you to pray about someone, pray today. If he's dealing with you to give something, give today. If he's dealing with you to serve, to lend your, your gifting, your ability, your hand, do it today. We, we talked to you last week about putting things off until everything's cleared out in your life, until you, uh, everything works. That's a wrong move. You need God's blessing, his mighty powers, his spirit flowing through your life today. So anytime he prompts you to do something, that's a blessing from God, even if it challenges your thinking. It's, oh, the Lord's moving in my life. The Lord's prompting me to do this. He must have something in store, and he absolutely does. It's his grace. It's sufficient. It's his provision. It's divine connections in your life. We never want to be those who put things off. When it's right, giddy up. Amen? And by the way, one of the things you're doing when you do that, when you're quick, when you're prompt to obey, is you're sowing good seeds for the times when you need that. Because there'll come a time when you're, you're trusting God for whatever it is, it is that you need, and he's going to move on someone else to call you, to pray for you, to give to you, to help you. What do you want that person to do? Well, have you sown slow seeds or quick seeds? When someone else was in need, were you quick to respond to the Lord? And I suggest we all be that way. That way, when we have need, others are going to be responding to the Lord's prompting for them to move in our lives. So useful stones are... Faithful, they're diligent. Number three, they're punctual. Useful stones. You can see how it ties in. 
but they're punctual. Let me say this. If you are working for God, show up on time. Yeah. Don't be like the five foolish virgins, totally unprepared. Show up on time. It's amazing how, how often uh, we don't recognize that being prompt, being punctual, shows honor to others. It shows honor to God. If he wants us to do something and, we're, and he says, it's a 10 o'clock thing I want you to do and we're there at 9.55. Or, you know, you have, or you're meeting friends or you're showing up late to work. Or, uh, that's not the kind of person who gets promoted in life. It's the person who shows up early. Or you're meeting friends at 7 o'clock and you, show, you roll in at 7.30. Well, there's a, there's a degree of dishonor there. Outside of an, an, an occasional thing that you couldn't control, but that's got to be very occasional. From the heart, we're there. We honor people by being on time, not being late. Uh, we, uh, I know sometimes people think, well, I, you know, I, I can't, couldn't help it. I can't control it. There are so many things that out of my control. I get that one in 100. I don't get that one in 10 or one in five. I mean, people show up on time for their airplanes. They get to the airport an hour and a half early sometimes, right? Why? Because you know they don't really care about you. <laughs> You've already paid for your ticket. And if you show up late, it doesn't matter how long the security line is. Uh, if you're not at the gate when, the, when it closes, they are not opening it up for you again. I have been there. Okay. <laughs> On connections, we show up on time like all of us do because we don't want to miss out. But when you're on connection, you ever have a late connection and they close that door, you watch them close the door as you're running. You see your plane sitting out there and they don't care. <laughs> Doors closed, we can't open it again. I bet you could. <laughs> I bet you could open it. I bet it works both ways. Nevertheless, people show up on time to really important things. And when it's not so important, eh, they roll in whenever they get around to it. Show honor to the Lord. Show honor to other people by being faithful. Galatians 4.4 4 reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God, let me say it this way, God is never late. Jesus came right on time. One of the reasons we can have faith in God is because he's not going to show up right after you die, right after the bill is due. He's not going to just be 20 minutes late and everything collapses. God is on time. Jesus came right on time. When he comes back again, it'll be the perfect timing. And we'll tell each other. We'll say, high five, boom. He was right on time. I see it now. It was perfect. That's the way God is. He is never late. Hallelujah. Number four. Let's finish with this. Number four is usable. These honorable vessels, they are tactful. They are tactful. Okay? Um, we could say that effective communication involves three key components. Number one is content. That is what you say. Number two is timing, which is when you say it. And number three is tact, and that's how you say it. 
We all need tact. And the lack of this undermines our, use, our usefulness to God. You might be on time. You might be faithful and be a jerk. You might be on time. You might have some amazing qualities in some areas, but just lack the tact to communicate and, and relate to other people in a, in, a, in a respectful way. We need tact. Sometimes people elevate truth over everything else. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I mean, I might as well elevate truth above other things, but truth spoken in the wrong way is often not received. Remember, the scripture says, but speak the truth in love. Not just speak the truth. How many know you can, you can be a speaker of truth and be very ineffective because it's too harsh or it's the, you got the wrong timing on it. You just say it in a way where it's hard for people to receive it. I know some good ministers, and I say good, they're good in so many areas, but when they, when they preach, when they teach, they're too harsh. They're just too, mm, people leave like they've been beat up instead of lifted up. I think if you just change just a tiny bit, you'll probably reach a gazillion more people. All right. We want to have tact. We want to speak in an effective manner. Let me give you these verses in closing. Proverbs 15, 23 reads, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Not just a word spoken, but the one that comes in due season. This is what we want to have wisdom to do. Uh, even Jesus held back information from people at times. He didn't answer every question. In the book of Acts chapter 1, they were saying, Lord, is now the time? Is this when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, I'm not telling you. Those are my, as my own interpretation, my own words. Ah, the Father put that in his control. I'm not, I'm not talking to you about that now. Here's what I want to tell you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So he didn't always just say everything he knew. He still doesn't do that. Some of us want him to at times. Tell us everything. He has tact and he's wise with timing. Um, Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How should we relate to one another? Here's a good word, soft answers. What if I'm really fired up and angry? Go away. <laughs> Go use the restroom. <laughs> Go do something until you can answer people with a soft voice. How many relationships would be saved? How many conflicts would, be, would go away if we could use a soft answer? Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words. Not any word, pleasant words. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. So as we make ourselves usable to God, let's think about how we relate to one another. Let's think about due season, a soft answer, pleasant words, and words fitly spoken. Lord, give us the wisdom. Say it with me. Say, Father, give me the wisdom to know how to say it and when to say it. Help me get the right timing and to say it the right way. Yeah, this is the wisdom of God that we need. And so many troubles go away, making us much more usable by Him. Amen. I just think if anyone is uh, truly 
uh, you have a true relationship with God, which I know, I don't know everybody, obviously, but for the most part, that's who we are. We're not here to do something fake and phony and just be religious. We really love the Lord. Well, if we love the Lord, then we do care about what He cares about. And He's building this spiritual house. And so our response to Him is, all right, where's my role? Where, where, where do you want me to do in this? Amen. Let me make it easy on you again. Uh, finish with this. Uh, you've got one of these cards on the way in. You should have. It doesn't matter if you didn't. You can get one on the way out. Or you can just use the text to number there. If you would like to make yourself available to God in this house to help build the spiritual house that He is constructing here for His habitation, then, then we welcome you. We invite you. We want to help you find the best place to make an eternal impact. I'm not saying quit your job. <laughs> I'm not saying change your... I'm saying ask the Lord how can I be used for your eternal purposes? How can I recognize where you want me to be? And if you'll, you can look at this, you can text that, it'll, it'll shoot you back a link that'll give you the information. Um, we also have people in the, the main north lobby. Uh, there's tables, that if you want to talk to people, I know sometimes people are afraid, and, and don't be afraid. That's, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. If, here's what some are afraid of. If I sign up for something... Am I going to be in that thing permanently? Forever? <laughs> Eternally? <laughs> no, just until Jesus comes. And <laughs> then we'll let you out. In reality, no. Everything here is, is personal choice. You can serve as long as you want. If you're in the wrong place, you just say, I'm in the wrong place. I'm out of here. <laughs> You know, go do something else. Uh, but so it's, it's not a lifetime commitment for, for these kind of things. And so uh, get your foot wet. Amen. Or just jump off the diving board and go all in with God. And, and, uh, but we want to help you to have a, a significant eternal life. Significant while you're here. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us, working through us.